Good morning, good morning. Uh, I'd like to start by welcoming again all of you sixth graders who are joining us for the first time. So uh, I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit. I just want you to stand up if you're a sixth grader so we can all see who you are and we can all judge you. No, just kidding. Awesome, thank you so much. A big round of applause for them. We're so excited you're here. Okay, you can, you can be seated. We're so excited you're here, here. And I know it can, be, um, it can be a little bit scary being in a new place with all of these old people. Uh, so anyway, just I, I hope you feel comfortable. Uh, I hope you know that there are always donuts in the back. That's probably the most important thing for you to know. Um, but we're really excited that you're here with us today. Uh, so my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I... I am really excited for today's passage, and I think this passage is extraordinarily important. Uh, so let me just go ahead and read our passage for today. This is from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. I'm just going to read, uh, I'll, I'll read the whole thing. If you have a Bible or on your phone, you can bring it up. Luke chapter 8, verses 4, uh, 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Uh, this is God's word. Uh, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, um, I thank you that you are holy, uh, that you are absolutely unique and different, that you are perfect and morally pure, um, but that you are also so loving and compassionate and gracious to people like us, Lord. And so I pray, Father, that whatever state our heart is today, as we come before your word, um, you would be gracious to us, softening us, that we might receive your word and it might bear incredible fruit. Um, so I pray, Lord, you would give us understanding. I pray, Lord, you would help us um, apply this and you'd help us examine and have truth about the state of our hearts before you. We love you so much. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to go through, uh, we're gonna go through a new series for a while. 
Uh, Dan, our other pastor, is guest preaching today, but he's actually going to go on sabbatical. So uh, sabbatical is when pastors supposedly, supposedly every four years, pastors are supposed to take two months off to just renew themselves and rest and hear from God. Uh, and so like I took that a while ago when I was having my baby with my wife, um, when she was having my baby and I was there supporting her. Um, but Dan has been long overdue for taking a sabbatical. He's been uh, working so hard, you know, getting us through the pandemic, dealing with all kinds of difficult stuff. And so he's going to take a well-deserved rest uh, starting in a few weeks. And so while he's gone, uh, I'm going to be starting a new series on parables, okay? So we'll have some guest speakers, uh, but interspersed between the guest speakers, I will be talking about a few different parables. And so this first parable that we're going to look at is actually so important because uh, it's, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, you might be asking, what is a parable? So let me tell you what a parable is. I made up my own imperfect definition, but we can go ahead and look at what a parable is. So a parable is a word picture or story that conveys a non-literal truth that has force on the audience, okay? And your heads are spinning. You're like, what are you talking about, Daniel? Well, hopefully, as we go through this parable, you'll try to see what it means. Uh, so you could think of this as kind of like, uh, you know, a, a fictional story with uh, moral. So it's kind of like a fable, sort of. Uh, it's kind of like an allegory, which uh, do... When I was in sixth grade, we read a George Orwell book named Animal Farm. Does anyone still read that book? Raise your hand if you were required to read that book in school. So in Animal Farm, Animal Farm, it's an allegory, which means different characters in this fictional story about animals represents real life people and historical events. And so an, an allegory might be trying to make some kind of statement about something going on in society. Uh, but a parable is sort of like those things, but the best way to understand what a parable is is to generally read them in the, in the Gospels, and as you read more and more of them, you get, kind of get a sense of the flavor of a parable and how to interpret them. So again, I'll say that definition again. It's a word picture or a story, uh, and you notice that as I was reading the Bible passage, uh, there is a story about... About... <laughs> really? Come on, people. Okay, this is how it's going to be this morning, huh? Um, a sower. So another word for that is a farmer. This is a story about a farmer, and the farmer does different stuff, right? Uh, and th this story conveys a non-literal truth. So I'm, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what that means. And then it also has force on the audience. And so Jesus tells parables, and these parables are basically often placing a bullseye on someone who's listening to him, right? So there's some kind of force on the audience, on the listeners. And so when we're understanding parables, we have to understand the word picture of the story. We have to understand the spiritual truth. And then we have to see how it applies to our own lives. So we're going to be using this parable as an example of what it means to understand how to read parables, because that's actually Jesus's intention. This is a parable that teaches you how to read parables. It's a meta parable, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but right off the bat, if you were to only read the first half where Jesus tells the story, what do you think the parable means? Or could you think of 
interpretations of the parable uh, that would make sense based on the story. If you don't know when Jesus explains what the meaning of the parable is, what do you think it could mean? Any suggestions? So there's a story about a farmer. He's throwing seed in different regions. Some of them are not very conducive to growth, and then one soil's really, really good. What's the moral of the story here? What do we think? And it doesn't have to be the right one. I'm just saying, can you think, if you, if you just had to pretend, like, can I think of a different alternate explanation of what the parable means? Can you think of any? You guys know, like, Aesop's fables or, like, some fairy tales or kids' books. There's always a moral, you know? What, what's the moral of this story? What do you think? Throw your seed on good soil. Throw your seed on good soil. Sure. What else? Any ideas? I just want to get your brains churning a little bit. The environment matters. Like, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for example, like if you're trying to do something, if, if you're trying to do something productive, if you're trying to learn, it's a bad idea to learn with like a hundred TVs surrounding you with different streaming shows on or anime or whatever, right? That's going to be a hard environment for you to study your SATs, right? That's a good one. I, I, I have a few. Um, the first one is to work smart, not hard, okay? Here, here's, here's what it means. Don't be a dummy. Don't throw your seed on all the bad places. Be more accurate with your seed placement and put it in the soil, you dummy. That's, that's one. But here's the thing. Uh, you guys get what I'm saying, right? He keeps on missing. Like, it's like basketball. You're supposed to get this, it in the hoop, but he keeps on missing. It's not going in the good soil. It's going on the, like, it's going on the path. It's going on the rocks. And everyone knows seeds can't grow on rocks, or it's going somewhere else. Like, why are you throwing it there? Be more accurate. Work smart. Do the smart thing. Put it there. Um, here's the other uh, interpretation. Work hard, not smart. The first one is work smart, not hard. An alternate interpretation could be work hard, not smart. If you just brute force the problem and you just throw enough seed out there randomly, something will hit. You know what I mean? Like you can see how like you just and this is actually me and my wife. So she's laughing at me, right? Um, because this is often my approach to solving problems. I brute force it. Uh, and this has variable results. So sometimes it works really well. And sometimes I can like do things that she would not be able to do. But oftentimes I break something. <laughs> like there's this one lamp that she got this um, one of those lamps that's like there's a base and then it hangs over. And so it's like this. Right. And so I was trying to screw in the 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 pole part to the base, which is really heavy. And it was not screwing in. So what I tried to do is I just tried to like grit my teeth and use all of my force and my muscles to twist it. And I actually made it move, but it was not threaded correctly. And so I basically just broke the lamp where there is about this much threading where it just wouldn't go all the way. And, and my wife was really, really mad at me. And she would have said, dude, you dummy. Think smart, not hard, or work smart, not hard. And I'm like, no, if you just work hard enough, you just try hard enough, you can solve anything. And so this would be the difference between uh, students who are studying for a test, and some of them are like, work smart, not hard. Think of an intelligent way to approach 
studying for a test where uh, you try to figure out what the teacher wants you to learn, what problems are going to be on the test, and you have a targeted approach to learning only that information. If you can learn the least possible amount of information to succeed on the test, that is a victory. The other approach, work hard, not smart, would be to say, okay, I have a physics test coming up, right? I have a physics textbook. I'm gonna memorize the whole textbook because if I memorize the whole textbook, surely I'll be able to solve all of the problems, right? And sometimes the teacher gives you problems that the textbook doesn't address. Anyway, so that's working hard, not smart. You see what's really interesting about parables. Now, what's unique about this parable is Jesus actually explains the meaning for us so we can understand it. And he doesn't make us, you know, fight with each other about working smart, not hard, or working hard, not smart. He actually tells us what the meaning is. But when we're reading parables in the Gospels, we're not always given the interpretation. Uh, in my math textbooks back in the day, uh, there would be the odd answers in the back of the book, right? Does that, do, do kids nowadays, do your textbooks still do that? Raise your hand if they do. So the idea is like you have to know some of the answers so you can know whether you're doing the problem right. Um, or in my case, you just write down the answers without understanding them to get your homework done faster. But the problem is the even ones, you don't have the answers. And so I swear, sometimes my teachers would read my homework and they're like, huh, you got all of the odd ones right and then you didn't show any work for any of the even ones and they're all wrong. I wonder what happened because teachers are not dumb. But when I was in seventh grade, I was dumb. Um, anyway, uh, so Jesus gives us the answer key to this parable and he's basically saying this is a meta parable that helps you read other parables. Um, so like, what, what does it mean that it's a meta parable? Um, okay, so I'm, I'm trying really hard to connect with you gamers out there. I used to play a lot of video games, I no longer do. But we're trying to look at what meta means, the prefix, right? Uh, what is a meta game when you're playing a game? Someone say that, say that again? Big? No, not quite. I mean, we, we know what, yeah, what do you think? Facebook. Oh, oh, Facebook, it makes you think of Meta, yeah, the company. No, 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 so when you're playing a video game, so I'm sure Dimitri would know this answer, you know. So he plays like League of Legends or whatever, and there are basically a meta game is an overall strategy that's beyond the, the basics of the game that people have decided is the most effective way to win, right? So if you think of the word meta, it kind of means like a strategy above, like a big picture strategy, or a, something that's beyond the basic tactics that helps you succeed. Um, if you think about metacognition, I'm saying so many big words, I'm sorry. Sixth graders, welcome, I'm gonna say a bunch of big words. Um, what does metacognition mean? Uh, it's actually a term that means you are thinking about thinking. What does meta-emotion mean? You're feeling about feeling. No, so it's, it's, it's something that's beyond, it's something that's above, and it's something that's like, when you say something is meta, it's like, there's like kind of the sense of it's self-aware or it's thinking about something, okay? So what is a meta parable? A meta parable is a parable that if you understand it, helps you interpret other parables, okay? And so Jesus says that later on in the passage in uh, I think verses nine through 10 and all, where he says, to you the disciples, when they ask him the question, what does the parable mean? 
because uh, some of them were thinking this parable means work smart, not hard. Others work hard, not smart. And so they're arguing about it. And they're like, Jesus, you know what the parable means. Help us understand what it means. And he says to them, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, they are in parables. And so Jesus is saying to them, you actually have the secrets of the kingdom of God. You know how to interpret this parable if you listen to me. But then in a parallel passage, this parable is in three out of four of the Gospels. In a parallel passage, in, the, in chapter, uh, chapter four of Mark, Jesus says, when they ask him what the parable means, he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And that's Jesus saying straight out, if you understand this one, it will be possible for you to interpret and read and understand all the other parables that don't have the answer at the back of the book, okay? Uh, now, the other thing I want you to notice is why is it so important that we correctly understand the parables? Jesus says to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And if you read through the Gospels for any given amount of time, uh, you will kind of learn that the kingdom of God is basically God's rule and power and transformative reign coming from heaven to earth through Jesus Christ to bring transformation and restoration to the world. And it happens in every single uh, different element of your life. So Jesus promises when he comes, uh, when the kingdom of God comes upon you, you will experience substantial healing in your life, spiritually, emotionally, physically. All of This is the reign of Jesus coming to earth. And so when he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, um, this is basically saying, if you understand this, this is how the transformative power of the gospel and of the kingdom of God becomes unlocked and uh, active in your life. And so this is actually so important because uh, I, I see this a lot in, uh, I, I actually want to, sorry, like I, I'm often, I actually like, I don't know if I like, but I often am mean to people who are churchgoers and Christians, and I'm nice to people who are not churchgoers or Christians, because often I think we have a lot to learn from them. So one, one thing I think we can learn from people who aren't Christian is they ask really good questions about faith and God and the Bible, where if you've grown up in church, your eyes and ears become desensitized to the oddness of the, the faith that we have and the Bible that we read. And so what's really interesting is I think we can actually learn from other people uh, who don't believe in God how to ask good questions about what the Bible is saying. And by asking these good questions, we actually get to the incredible or amazing nature of what Jesus says and what the Bible says. Okay? So, uh, churchgoers, we are desensitized. Um, sometimes we have external behaviors, and this is actually really important in the parable. Sometimes we have external behaviors where we do what we're supposed to do and do the right things without understanding why, or we do the external behaviors without actually experiencing any sort of heart change. And so you might look good on the outside, but inside uh, you don't really want to do it, or you don't understand why you're doing it. And so this is part of the parable. This is part of the importance of the parable. Okay, so it's a meta parable. Uh, the title... So what I'm going to do now 
is I'm going to go from sort of general considerations about the parable, and then I'm going to go more specifically into the soils, okay? So let's look the... <laughs> the uh, I titled the sermon, Open the Ears of My Heart Soil. Okay, and I, I want to see if you can, because what Jesus is doing in this parable is he's actually mixing metaphors when he interprets what it means. Um, so what we're going to do is we're kind of tr- going to unpack the different elements that are going on and the symbols that are happening in the parable so we can understand. I hope I just confused everyone because that's very confusing. Open the ears of my heart soil. Um, let me look at a general consideration about the story. So the first thing is there are four types of soils, Right. What do each of those soils have in common? Each one of the soils receives a seed. And Jesus says that the seed represents the word of God. Okay, you with me? And so the soil, somehow Jesus talks about it later on. In the first soil and the fourth soil, Jesus talks about the heart. Where in the first soil, the seed seed falls on the path and then the birds snatch it away. And Jesus explains it by saying, this person's heart is hard and the devil does not allow the seed to penetrate deeply and lead to growth of the seed, right? So there's something about your heart response to the word of God. In the fourth soil, there also is this word, the heart, where Jesus says, um, the people who, when the seed falls in good soil, it's people who have a good heart that keep fast the word of God. And we'll explain what that means later on. So what's going on? The seed represents the word of God. The soil represents something about the state of our hearts and the way we listen to the word of God. So we're going to be, that's kind of like a general consideration about what the soil represents. Let's look at more kind of general observations. Uh, There are three seeds that have some kind of stunted growth. And there's one seed that has mature growth that grows all the way up to a tree, right? So uh, me and my wife, mostly my wife, we've been doing a lot of gardening, and gardening is drama, okay? Gardening is very dramatic and tense. If you were the sower who's sowing his seed, uh, your livelihood, your economic success, uh, maybe the food on your table is dependent on whether these seeds grow or not. So for for us, it might be, okay, this is a weird agricultural story. But imagine this. When he's sowing that seed on the path and it doesn't grow because the birds take it, that's incredible frustration. And he would have been really angry or like whatever it might be. Or the the seed that falls on the rock, the the plant withers. He would have been like, am I going to get any fruit? Uh, And, you know, like me and my wife were gardening. Uh, The way it works in our household is... We put the seeds in the ground, um, in the planter box, or we put the little shoots in the planter box, and then squirrels eat them. They eat the plants. They take out the seeds. Uh, When they actually do grow, we're growing tomatoes. The squirrels eat the tomatoes. Uh, The one plant that has been resistant to squirrels has been our bitter melon plant. Uh, And we actually have very successfully grown many bitter melons because squirrels don't like them, uh, and neither do I. But if you're a farmer, it's tense. And so at many points in our lives, uh, my wife has basically been like, I give up. Like she she really enjoys gardening, but she's like, I give up, I can't handle it anymore. Like last summer, I caught literally like probably 18 squirrels in traps and like released them away somewhere far away from our house. 
But she's like, the, the squirrels keep on ruining everything. It's not even worth it to dry gardening. And that's how worked up she was about something that she really loved, but something that was so frustrating. And so when you're looking at this parable, it really helps to see kind of yourself in the position of the sower or to see yourself in the position of the seed. There are three seeds with stunted growth and one with mature growth. And these illustrate the different stages of growth in the life cycle of a seed, okay? So in your biology textbook, there's the picture of the seed, right? And then that's stage one. There's the picture of the tiny little shoot, stage two with the two green leaves. And then there's like the more mature plant, stage three. Stage four is the fully mature tree that's giving fruit. And if you notice in the parable, Jesus is intentionally showing this progression. The first one remains a seed, the birds eat it. The second one grows a little bit, but then it withers away because it can't get enough water. The third one, uh, what's the third one? The third one, thorns grow up with the plant. And because of the thorns, there's a competition for nutrients, there's a competition for sunlight, there's a competition for water, and as a result of this competition, the plant is not able to, what does it say, produce mature fruit. So it's in the stage before producing mature fruit, and then in the fourth one, the good soil, it produces good fruit all the way, okay? You guys with me? So hearing God's word, this parable actually reveals something really interesting. Um, it reveals a lot about what it means to be Christian and how to live the Christian life. The first thing is this parable reveals to us how to be saved. If you, if you notice in the first soil, uh, the, the devil plucks the seed uh, away from the soil, and it says, so that they may not believe and be saved. Where to be a Christian means you have responded to the word of God, the seed of God, and it has actually rooted in your heart to the point where you believe in Jesus, that he died and rose again for your sins, and as a result of that response to the word of God, you are saved. Uh, that's what it means to respond to the word of God in good soil, is to respond and hear and be saved. But this parable also says something interesting. It shows us how to grow, where... Um, there are three different types of soils that have stunted growth. And Jesus is basically saying, even if you have responded to the word of God, even if you think, if you call yourself a Christian and think you're, that you're a Christian, uh, what happens is in many of our lives, the growth and maturity and production of fruit in our lives is stunted for one reason or another. And this is honestly why many of us are depressed as Christians. This is why we feel like nothing is happening. Uh, this is why we struggle with God a lot. Um, Jesus is actually showing us how to grow and how to diagnose our heart state so that we can be good soil for the word of God to bring transformation. Because again, if you look at the third soil, because, the growth of the, because of the thorns, the growth of the plant is stunted and the fruit does not mature. So there's something stunted about the growth of this plant. And then the fourth one, Jesus says, good soil leads to uh, fruit multiplying. Like it says, uh, Jesus says, the last plant, the last seed in the good soil yields a hundredfold. And that's a picture, Jesus telling the disciples, that's a picture of what happens when the word of God takes root in your heart. It transforms your heart and soil. So again, imagine this. 
There is a huge difference between a tiny little bit of potting soil and a pot potting soil that has had a seed grow in it, right? Where the, the soil all by itself doesn't do anything, it's not really useful, it doesn't produce anything, but when the word of God, when the seed of God gets in the soil, the roots grow deep, the branches grow out, and they produce fruit that are beneficial to everyone around you. And that's Jesus's and that's God's uh, design for our lives, to be transformed as Christians by the word of God so that will be useful for him, so that we will experience the joy and peace that comes from knowing God. And then the final thing that we learn from this parable is how to hear, okay? So we're gonna talk about that a little more. Okay, so what's Jesus's explanation of the parable? Um, I'm just gonna try to summarize it in this way. Uh, Jesus says, the state of a person's heart soil impacts their response to the word of God and the fruit it produces in their lives, okay? The state of a person's heart impacts your response to the word of God and the fruit it produces in their lives. So as an example, uh, your heart and your relationship with someone deeply impacts the way you listen to and understand them, right? Where if you, if you don't like a person, they're trying to get your attention, say something to you, and you're like, I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. Or in, in my case, uh, when I was in high school and I was like playing video games, my mom would get really, really mad at me because I would be in the middle of playing a video game and she would like shout in my ear, like, you know, it's time for dinner or whatever it might be. And sometimes I would literally not even hear her. She was like shouting in my ear and I was so focused on what I was doing that... Uh, can you see what Jesus is saying here? The state of your heart, your desire to listen to someone, your relationship with them, whether you care about them and whether you care to listen to them really impacts how you respond to their words and then what you do with their words. So if my wife tells me, uh, Daniel, I want you to buy tomatoes from the grocery store, there are multiple steps that have to correctly take place in order for me to do the thing, right? I have to hear her, so I can't have my AirPods in listening to a podcast, or else I can't hear her physically. Um, second, I have to understand what she's saying, where she has, I have to hear the words, buy me uh, 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 Roma tomatoes. And I have to understand what is a Roma tomato, and does the supermarket I'm going to have Roma tomatoes? I have to understand it, take it in, and then the third most difficult part of all, can you guess what it is? You're at the grocery store, and do you remember that she said, buy the tomato or not? And so that's why I always bring a list now. But sometimes I forget the list, and then I'm, you know, everything bad happens. So Jesus is saying, the state of your heart impacts your response to the word of God and the fruit it produces in our lives. Uh, what does it look like to have good soil and good heart towards the word of God? Um, very simply, I would put it like this. Um, if you have a good relationship with God and a good heart towards God, you really want to hear what he says and put it into practice. You, have, you want to hear, understand, and put it into practice, right? You have to listen, hear it, you have to understand, and then you want to put it into practice. That's what it means to be good soil, very simply. But we'll keep on going into that. Um, let's keep going. So we're going to go through the soils specifically now. I'm going to try to do this quickly. Um, because it's so important to understand each element so we can diagnose our hearts. Because, again, what is a parable? 
A parable is a story that has some kind of spiritual truth it's communicating that has some kind of impact or force on the audience or the hearers. And so what is Jesus saying to us by giving these examples of the soils? He's saying, many of you, because of the way you're listening to God, will not experience growth in your life. And many of you will experience disappointment or even disillusionment about Christianity, but it doesn't have to do with the effectiveness or powerful nature of the seed. It has to do with how you're listening, okay? And so this is actually a very kind of controversial or pointed statement towards all of us, right? Where it's, Jesus is asking us, pay attention to how you pay attention. Listen to how you're listening to me or, or pay attention to it. Think, think it through. And this one is where I, I'm going to be mean to Christians again. Um, th- there are so many different reasons to fail to pay attention to the word of God. So what it, what, what's the word of God? It could be um, simply like the Bible, like Holy Scripture, the word of God. It could be like how much you read the Bible. But even if you read the Bible all the time, that doesn't necessarily mean you're actually understanding it. And even if you understand it, we all know the uh, times in our lives where we read a part of the scripture and we say, I understand exactly what you're saying and I refuse to do it because I don't want to. I have something else in my life that I would rather do rather than hear your word. Um, And so these are all different kind of heart uh, obstacles that get in the way of the word of God bearing fruit. And so really this is for us, okay? So let's look at the first soil. Uh, The first soil is the seed falls on the path. So the path is like the place where you walk. So it's like the roadside. You're sowing next to a path that people walk on, and he's throwing the seed, and then some of it falls onto the path. So what's the problem with the path? The problem with the path is the earth is packed, right? So the earth is hard because people are walking on it, Animals are walking on it. There are like livestock. There are like carts or whatever it might be. And because of that, the soil can't get deep enough in the ground to grow. And then the birds devour and eat it, right? So basically, if you're the first soil, this is a, okay, this is a joke my dad always makes when he talks about this one, um, where he basically says, if you're the first soil, then you're not listening anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, that's my dad's joke. The first soil is basically someone who might hear the word, but there's literally no response. It just bounces off in one ear, out the other. And really, um, this is where only the power of God can transform someone's heart into good soil. And um, for this type of person, uh, there's a passage in um, Corinthians where it says, uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. I'm going really heavy. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, where basically the devil deceives people into thinking that God is not good uh, and that his word is not true. And by doing that, he makes them impervious to the word of God penetrating and leading to growth and change. And so this is the type of person who might hear the word of God, but there's no change. There's no transformation. There's no growth. It doesn't reach the heart. It doesn't penetrate. Let's look at soil number two. And again, as I'm saying these things, I'm not trying to be like mean, but the point of the parable is for us to use it as a diagnostic, where if you're a doctor and you're trying to diagnose someone's condition, you take them through a series of steps and you say, do you have a cough? 
Do you have, oh my gosh, like in, during COVID times, right? Like what are the symptoms of COVID? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? You go through the steps to try to diagnose yourself. And here, the second one, second soil, I would summarize by saying the second type of soil is someone who has a shallow heart, okay? A shallow heart. This seed falls on the rock, and you can just kind of imagine what this is like. If you find a big boulder, put a seed on it, what's going to happen? You, if you watered it every single day, what's going to happen? Probably not much, because it has no root. It can't, the roots cannot go in there, Right? And so Jesus says, the person with a shallow heart um, is someone who receives the word of God. Anyway, lots of interesting sounds going on today. Uh, like, was it during music too, when there's like some kind of big whirring, like vroom, vroom sound? Anyway, uh, the so second types of, I mean, we, we, I just have to acknowledge it because it's very distracting and let's acknowledge it and then move back, Okay. The second type of soil is a shallow heart. So this is a, a person who, Jesus says, receives the word of God with joy. And this, this is where it gets kind of scary and interesting. Um, Jesus is saying some people who receive the word of God get really excited about Christianity. They have an emotional reaction. Or they might be really, really pumped for God, really committed. And honestly, I see this all the time in the youth group, uh, at youth retreat or after youth retreat, where people make, okay, there's, there's two authors, um, there's a guy named Jonathan Haidt, and he talks about a thing called collective effervescence. Sorry, I don't know why I'm using all these. Collective effervescence is the emotions that happen in big crowds of people who are enthusiastic and excited about something. So if you go to a, a big football game, if you're in the South, or you go to a rock concert, or you, you go to a K-pop concert, um, or you go to Disneyland, there's a parade. Everyone is excited, and that enthusiasm and excitement wears on, or it doesn't wear on you, it like, it rubs off on you, where you get really excited too, and you re feel really pumped and excited and joyful. And this is one example of what it looks like to be this type of soil. Because the moment you are no longer in that environment, those feelings, you don't remember them, and the other thing is, you didn't gain any sort of understanding, okay? You might have felt positive feelings towards God, and God can often does use these things. But the real question is, when you're feeling those feelings, did God actually transform your understanding of him or your understanding of yourself? Another example I can give. Uh, sometimes when I preach a sermon, uh, some people come up to me and they're like, Daniel, I really liked that sermon. I really felt something. Um, and then I'm like, okay, uh, that's great. Like, what did you feel? Or like, what did it make you think? And they're like, I don't know, but it made me feel good. Now, maybe that's God. Maybe it's not. Because again, here, Jesus is saying, it is so important to have depth and have roots. And so again, this is back to people who ask good questions. When you ask a good question and you try to address that question, it leads to roots and depth of your understanding, not just your feelings. So you start off with joy, but there's no root. And then again, this is what happens. This happens to all, all ages of people. You believe for a while and then fall away in times of testing. And so this is actually really, really fascinating where just because you respond emotionally 
uh, to something initially doesn't mean you're able to actually have deep enough roots to survive the hard seasons of faith or the hard seasons of life. Um, and I think we all know what it feels like. Um, if, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, initially God is so powerful and real and he kind of overwhelms you, at least for me, he overwhelmed me with feelings and I, I always feel like I'm growing and I'm learning. But at some point you might go through something and all of a sudden it feels like God isn't there anymore. And you pray to him and you don't hear anything. You sing to him, there's nothing there. Who are you singing to? What do you do with that time? Do you have the roots and the understanding to hold on to God during that time? Uh, there's a C.S. Lewis quote where he says something along the lines of, uh, faith is the art of holding on to what your reason has once accepted despite changing moods. Okay? I'll say that again. Faith is the art of holding on to what your reason has once accepted. So here, here's the thing. When I became a Christian, was it just feelings? Or did I actually have to understand something about the existence of God, about who Jesus is, dying on the cross, forgiveness of sins, transformation that comes from his death and resurrection? Did I actually understand that he was a historical person who died and rose again, which led to the founding of the early church apostles, disciples uh, being martyred on the basis of their treating Jesus as the Lord and Savior. That is my reason that has accepted that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, and Jesus is fully man. You get what I'm saying? That's my reason working, not just my feelings. And so faith is saying, okay, Daniel, when you don't feel it, do you still accept what your reason has concluded is true when you don't feel it? So many of us just get blown around by how we feel on any given day. You guys know exactly what this is like. There are things in your life that, like, let me use like a ridiculous example, or I mean, this is kind of a, uh, like, am I, if, okay, I married my wife. Does that mean I'm not married anymore if I don't feel it or feel like it? Absolutely not right? In the same way, if you've believed in God and at one point you were like, there's something about God's word that I'm responding to. Um, if you get baptized or if you say the, the Lord's, the sinner's prayer where you're like, God, I believe in you. I trust you. What is making you believe? What's making you trust? Are you willing to say, because I committed at that point, I'm not going to simply jettison everything the moment I no longer feel it. This is what it means to grow up and become more mature in your faith. You run through testing, you run through pain, uh, you feel the absence of God, and you don't let it go, you don't jettison it, because your faith is deeper than simply this shallow emotional response. The other, the other example I could use is the opposite, where you can have intellectual, uh, you, can have, you can intellectually assent to different things about Christianity, but if it's shallow intellect, what I mean by that is, if you are constantly interested in God, but you are not willing to commit and do something different in your life based on what God says, then you have a shallow intellectualism towards God. Um, another example, you might want to be a Christian or churchgoer, and you do the stuff you're supposed to do, right, on the outside. But in this parable, the seed, which is the word of God, goes on the inside and then it transforms your inner life. 
where there are some people who just grit their teeth and go to church every day, every, or sorry, not every day, maybe some of them do, every Sunday, if you're in a Korean church, you go every day, no, um, every Sunday for the rest of your life you go, but you're just gritting your teeth, and you've never actually responded to the word of God, there's no emotional transformation in your life, there's no growth because it's shallow, okay? Feelings without understanding, intellect without whole life transformation. You grow out. This is the picture of growth on the outside. Like you see the plant on the outside, but there's no root. So underneath the surface, there's nothing lasting. And so the plant withers and dies under times of testing. Okay? Do you see how this is a powerful diagnostic tool? And as I'm saying this, like I, if, if, like, I really want you to know um, God and Jesus are not trying to like, they're not trying to like, like damage you um, or like emotionally like guilt trip you or whatever it might be. Um, just the same way a doctor is not trying, when they're diagnosing and trying to tell you the truth, their intention is to help you. And so when I'm saying this thing, and maybe some of you are resonating with the second soil, I just want you to know uh, there is hope if you are that soil. And the hope is to turn to God and say, just simply pray to him and say, God, I know that my relationship with you is shallow. Can you give me depth? And can you change my attitude towards you in a way that gives my faith more depth? And what does this look like practically? If you're all about feelings for God, honestly, it means studying and learning and concentrating on the Bible in a way that has more depth and meditating on it, which are all of the things that might be harder for you. Or if it's the opposite and you're more intellectual, you enjoy studying, it actually means putting into practice. It means uh, letting your emotions be touched by the truth. Okay? Let's look at the third soil. Uh, this one is the soil I would summarize as divided heart um, leads to arrested development or stunted growth. Jesus says, this soil, as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. So I think we all know what this one is like. Uh, when a plant is, when there are weeds, I already said this, uh, but the weeds are, are in competition for the nutrients, water, and sunlight. So when the weed grows over the plant and blocks the sunlight, the plant will wither. Uh, and in this heart, in a, in a parallel passage, Jesus actually says it a little bit differently. He says, um, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. And this is a Christian or someone who says they're a Christian who uh, might initially respond to the word of God very positively and even experience growth where this is a plant that's grown more than the second soil. But because of the busyness of life, and because of all the different things that you desire and are paying attention to, uh, your growth is stunted because you don't receive the word uh, with a good heart and a good soil. And again, if I was younger, I think I would have been more like judgmental and like, you know, just pay more attention to God or try harder. But man, life is so busy, you know, like having a newborn, like my life is so crazy right now. And it's, I, I can see how like your kid gets older and then there's like ballet and then there's like, you know, talking to Ann and Ken sometimes it's like you have work, you have church, you have a million different activities, you're driving around everywhere, you're exhausted, there's food, there's so many things going on. And all I would say 
is part of the reason why you might be struggling in your life, why you might be feeling so anxious and uh, fearful, or you, you feel so down, or you know, like there's that quote where it says like, many men live lives of quiet desperation, right? Where you just have to do what you have to do, and there's something empty on the inside about your life. Um, if that's going on with you, I just want to suggest you might be this soil, and the, an the antidote to this type of soil is actually quite simple. Um, it's to make room for God in your life. This is what my dad calls it, to make room for God in your life. And I don't know what that looks like for you personally, but if you never are attempting to hear from God, uh, if your life is completely overwhelmed by all of these other things, and the other thing is, if they take precedence and priority in your life over God, then this is the third soil. Where if these other things are more important than God, or even if you're so busy that you can't give God dedicated time, I mean, this is like, okay, I, I'm using the marriage example a lot, but if I'm married and I can't give dedicated time to my wife, there's something wrong there. And I have to like simplify my life. I have to get rid of things so that I can pay attention to her, right? Same thing with God. Are you making room and space for God in your life? And the other thing is, look, we're tired. We're mentally exhausted. That's all okay. Because again, the response to this is just pray to God and say, God, can you create in me a new heart? Or can you help my heart be soft towards you? Can you help me respond to you in whatever small ways I can? And God promises, if you just do this a little bit, if you just open the door up for him a little bit more in your life, he will respond to that. Because he knows our weaknesses, he knows how tired we are, how worried we are, and he cares about us so much. If we simply give him a little bit more, we'll experience more of that joy in our relationship. Um, and the, the final thing is, if you keep the soil in an honest and good heart, hearing the word, um, hold it fast and bear fruit with patience. Where I just want to say, uh, what is the antidote to all of these different soils? The first three, the stunted growth ones. Um, it's to hold fast the word of God over time and bear fruit with patience. So the first thing is, um, it says, hold it in an honest and good heart. Where, again, this is about the state of our hearts. Is your heart good towards God? Where, you know, I, I talk to people sometimes, and this is where, again, people who might not believe in God probably know better than we do as churchgoers. Because sometimes they see things like, I'm mad at God. Or, you know, like, I don't, I'm not interested in God. I have other things in my life. They're, they're way more real. But for some of us as Christians, we are mad at God. We're disappointed with God. But we never would say that because we think you're not allowed to. There, if that's the case, there's something going on with your heart that you are not paying attention to or you're not willing to face. And so what it really means is to respond to these types of soils actually requires a lot of courage and it requires trust in God where you have to be able to say, even if I come to God with my messed up heart, he can actually do something with that. And I just want to say to you, again, if you pray to God and say to him right now, God, I've been distracted. My life has been so busy and burdened with so many things. Um, can you forgive me? And I want to make room for you in my life. 
And that could be very simple. It could be simply saying, I'm going to pray to God in those small moments of space uh, during my day. Because there are moments of space in your life. Um, we fill them often with whatever distractions, like I listen to podcasts or whatever it might be. But if, if I just give God a little bit of space and say to him, God, I thank you for this day. I'm serious, like great gratitude for what God has provided for you. Or I thank you that I can talk to you. That actually really transforms your life, and that's what leads to growth. Um, so again, a parable is a word, picture, or story that conveys a non-literal truth that is forced on the audience. Can you see how this parable is helping us learn how to hear God and respond to him? And often, uh, this, and actually this parable is helping us diagnose our hearts and the ears of our heart and helping us respond to him in a different way than perhaps we already have been. Um, so I'm going to finish with this. Um, what, do we, what are some practical takeaways we can have um, if your heart is in a state of being divided or if your heart is in a state of shallowness? Um, show up. So you already did that one. Show up for God. Make space for God in your life. Ask questions. And then honestly, this is the one where you got to go honestly where your questions lead you. If your questions are leading you to doubt God and distrust him, you gotta follow them anyway. You gotta follow them through the doubt and you have to talk to God and say, God, you need to address my doubts or I'm not gonna be a Christian. I, I think that's actually really important because if he doesn't address your doubts somehow, you will always have a divided heart and you will, you will always have that little bit, that voice in the back of your head where you're like, I'm not sure. Um, and that's actually okay, too, because faith means uh, to trust in a person more than it does mean to have every single intellectual question answered. But anyway, and then don't give up. Um, final thing, uh, I would just say one thing you can do to keep God's word in your heart, and here's a challenge for you. Uh, as, as churchgoers, we respond to the Bible and Bible studies and lessons uh, we don't keep it. So what, what I mean is, if I were to ask you, what did Ken preach about last week, how many of you would be able to give a summary of what he actually talked about? Now, I, I care less about whether you remember my sermons, but I what I really care about is if you memorize parts of the Bible in ways that you can take with you wherever you go. And so this practice has been so transformative in my life. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm going long. I know. Almost done. Uh, this practice has been so transformative in my life where if I just put myself before the word of God for enough time and God's word speaks to me in unique ways, then I squirrel that passage away. I memorize it. And then I remember it with me as I go about my day. This actually happens quite often. And I could give you examples of that um, where... Uh, do you have favorite passages or passages that have had the most impact on you that you've memorized and can take with you wherever you go? Um, final, final question, how has your understanding of God's word deepened recently? If it hasn't, uh, this is a chance for you. Respond to the word of God. Take this parable, for example, and read it again at home after we go from here. How often do you actually review what God's word has said or what you've been learning from God's word and try to internalize it and personalize it? Okay, this is the parable of the soils. It teaches us how to read parables. And Jesus is saying, pay attention to how you hear 
Will you respond to God's word with a good heart, with good soil? And then when you do this, you will see incredible transformation and fruit in your lives, which is something we all need. And at stake is uh, your impact in your own life, your own personal transformation, but it's also the witness you have for the people around you. When people see the fruit of God in your lives, that is so amazing and attractive, and they ask you about it. What makes, what makes you so different? And you can say to them, it's because Jesus died for me and rose again and loves me so much, and his word has transformed my life in ways that have given me peace and joy and forgiveness and salvation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, I pray our hearts would receive your word uh, with a good attitude and good soil, and that we would be able to see and experience your transformation this coming week. Um, I thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.